1: Hey, what's up, everybody? And uh, what's up to you, my friend? How the hell are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right, bud. Yourself? I mean, I'm fucking golden compared to you. <laughs> I, you know, after everything that's happened in the past year and change and stuff, like I maybe I just grew up weird or maybe I'm heartless, but not not a lot really fazed me. But when I saw your picture, yeah. like I stopped. I <laughs> like, I actually just stopped what I was doing, and then, like your picture was in the ICU, I think. But I was like, yeah. Man, that's that's still too early to tell. I don't want to lose another friend. Like that's not like, yeah. That was some absolutely terrifying, scary shit. So it was
0: it was rough, man. There was a couple of days there where uh, we weren't sure which way it was gonna go. I mean, I was asleep through all of that, but uh, you know, my girlfriend, the doctors, they didn't know if I was gonna pull through or not. Um, so there's there's some bad days there. Jeez.
1: Um, so for anybody that doesn't happen to follow you on social media, would you mind telling the story? I'm sure you've had to tell it to everybody you've ever met <laughs> for the past month, but you know, I figure one yeah. more time will hurt. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, my knowledge of what actually went down is uh, limited. I can't remember really anything of it. Um, but I was in a head-on collision on um, uh, Highway 84 out here. And it's a stretch of highway that's, one lane each direction and there's no center divider, but everyone's going 80 miles an hour, you know? Um, and so it was a highway speed, a head on collision. And, um, it literally tore my car in half, um, took the whole front of it completely clean off, uh, from the front axle on. And, uh, yeah, really fucked my day up.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's quite the understatement. That's like when Voltar referred to you as a little under the weather lately. Yeah. <laughs> I legit rolled laughing. That's that's both the understatement of the freaking century.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you were, it was nothing. You were just driving down the road and, you know, looking forward. And next thing you know, like, you wake up and you're in the
0: hospital. Dude, honestly, um, I had... Have- a really bad concussion and was unconscious for the next couple of days. So I can't even really remember working that night. Uh, most of that day is kind of gone for me. Mm. Um, so not really sure what happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, I sustained quite a lot of injuries, um, over 30 fractures, um, multiple, uh, uh, chunks of meat missing from me, nerve damage, um, but the big thing was I, uh, I had three compound fractures in my femur, and uh, that's when like the bone comes out of the skin, mm-hmm. and um, one of those, one of those breaks severed my femoral artery, and um, thankfully someone who nobody knows who it was, um, but somebody put my belt around my leg as a tourniquet, and that saved my life, um, but I basically bled out. And uh, by the time I got to the hospital, um, the doctor said I was going into hemorrhagic shock, which is when your organs and your body starts uh, shutting down. They start failing from a lack of oxygen. Um, so I was basically completely out of blood. Um, they said it took forty-five units of blood that night to to get me back. And to put me in, put that in perspective, there's about ten units of blood in a in a person. So.
1: That's absolutely insane, and so lucky yeah. that that person stepped up and did that. Because you know, a yeah. few of my friends are EMTs and stuff, and they've said that a lot of times people just end up walking away because. You know, nowadays people are nuts, right? Like you come out of an accident, you're on all these medications. Somebody says, hey, you know, somebody put a tourniquet on wrong. Oh, have them arrested, sue them. Like, you know, obviously common sense isn't going on in your brain. So a lot of people are afraid to get involved. So it actually completely, it makes sense that somebody would have gone, okay, he needs a tourniquet right now. Do it, secure it, and then walk the hell away just so they don't have to, you know they don't have to deal with it so so glad somebody stepped up to the plate and did that for you
0: yeah me too um i mean we don't know if honestly we don't even know if it was someone else or if i did it we don't we have no fucking clue uh although it would make more sense that somebody else did it
1: i wouldn't put it past you though that's one of those things where i could totally see you snapping into survival mode not even know what you're doing and just wrap it around like like that can't be good. I see bone. All right, let me get this before I pass out and then yeah. like it's <laughs> totally something I could see you doing.
0: Yeah, just one last one last thing.
1: Oh jeez. So what what's your first memory of waking up? And by the way, if I'm asking uh, any question that's rude, tell me to fuck off, but I mean in- No, no.
0: Yeah. No, it's cool. Um it's actually pretty funny. So when I first woke up, I I woke up in the ICU a few days later uh and it was late at night and, uh, with COVID right now, um, they have very limited visitor hours and you can only have one person at a time. So I woke up and, you know, my, nobody I knew was there. Um, I was just alone in the room and hooked up to all these tubes and stuff. And, um, the, this nurse came in, this nurse, Danny, uh, came in and, uh, you know, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And, um, he, you know, explained I was in a car accident like, OK. Um, and we start talking a little bit and I said, you know, so what are you into, Danny? Said, oh, I like to read. So I said, uh, you know, you've been reading any good books? And goes, yeah, I've been reading this book called The Good Nurse. I'm like, OK, what's that about? He goes, uh, oh, it's about this serial killer nurse who's killed 600 <laughs> patients um, by injecting them with bleach. Dude, I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. And I was like, what the fuck? And I start, like, he leaves, and he seemed like a really nice guy, but he leaves, and I'm looking around, thinking, okay, what the fuck? And I go in the drawer, and I guess they don't do this anymore, but the last time, like previous times I've been in the hospital, they always have a Bible and a phone. And so I open the drawer, there's no Bible, there's no phone around. So I'm thinking, what the fuck, right? And I get on my cell phone and I text Christina, my girlfriend. I'm like, uh, you know, where am I? I need you to check this place out. Is this a real hospital? I start freaking out, dude. And I see him like walk by in the hall and it just looks like a silhouette. I lose my shit, dude. I ripped out all the fucking things that they had hooked up, the fucking tube. Fucking I tried to rip my catheter out. That was the only thing I couldn't get out. Uh, Yeah, that's what stopped me. You know those blow up
1: to the size of a golf ball they are inside you?
0: Yeah, dude, so thankfully I couldn't do that one. Very glad uh, he didn't pull too hard. <laughs> yeah, and he came running in as I was trying to get the calf around. He's like, what the hell is going on? I was like, dude, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he ended up being really, really nice. We laughed about it, and he apologized for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That is mind blowing that, you know, yeah. I, I always, so how did they contact your girlfriend? And I know that's a stupid question to ask, but like, I always wondered in situations like that, like, how do they, how would they know
0: it's me? How do they know who to call? Like, yeah. I mean, so I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I would imagine, um, you know, cause like I was unconscious for those couple of days, but like, you wouldn't call it a coma. Um, right. I think a lot of it was I was on, you know, in and out of heavy surgery, so I was under a lot of general anesthesia. Um, But I, I know my girlfriend's number by heart. I know my mom's number by heart. Um, You know, we come from the last kind of generation of kids who grew up knowing people's numbers and not having a cell phone contact list. Yeah. Um, So there are certain numbers that I just know, and I could rattle them off in my sleep. So I'm, I'm guessing. That sound? huh that's i could be totally off there but i'm guessing
1: man that's uh just trying to put all the pieces back together that alone must have been just so frightening like you know you don't know what hospital you're in why exactly you're there i mean you look down and you know why you're there but like how did that all happen and all that stuff why I mean, does
0: danny want to kill me
1: right right <laughs> that's crazy so yeah. they um. So when you're sitting up there, I mean, did how long before you actually have to talk to a doctor? And they told you what the story is, what's up, and all that other stuff. Like,
0: um, I mean, it's, so from when I woke up, it was the next day. the The next morning, I was talking to doctors, and I mean, I had so many different surgeries and um, broken bones in different areas that I have uh, a lot of different doctors and stuff. So I saw plenty of doctors the next day what was weird though is it there was all of this telephone you know a lot of the doctors didn't really know the whole story they had heard things from the EMTs so initially I was told that I was hit by a semi-truck and uh that turned out to be completely false and there's all sorts of things that you know was just kind of misinformation um so it took kind of about a It took close to a month to actually have a decent idea of the store. And I still don't even really know it completely yet.
1: It was another car or is it? Yeah,
0: it was another car. Um, Thankfully, the other people are okay and are not even close to the shape that I'm in. So thankfully, um, you know, no one was seriously hurt besides myself.
1: I was, uh, yeah, you were serious there. No one died, I guess, though. But I mean, you should be very happy that it wasn't a, a tractor trailer that hit you then. Absolutely, man.
0: Absolutely. Man.
1: Absolutely. So this was the beginning of last month, right? So just over a month ago, like six weeks uh, ago?
0: Yeah, it was April 14th. So about a month and a half ago.
1: Jeez. Yeah. So, um,. I know I'm gonna skip around a little bit, but you gotta tell the tattoo story because I legit yeah. burst out laughing when I read that, and everybody around me looked at me like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" I'm like, "Shut up, this is funny." Let's just read this.
0: Yeah. So um, when I was um, when I was about 13 or so, I um, I thought it would be really badass if I um, if I had a tattoo, and um, so I got some Indian ink from uh, our art class and a needle and thread and. I'm not the only one of my dumbass friends that did this either. Um, but uh, I gave myself some homemade tattoos. And, um, in fact.
1: Uh, oh, okay. you were breaking up for a sec, but I think you're back. Sort of. Sorry, everyone. We're doing this live for fun. But, uh, you know, you know how
0: it goes.
1: Oh, there you go. You're caught back up now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh,
0: oh, wait. Sorry. Did you cut out? Uh.
1: Yeah. I think you're back.
0: Okay. Should do I need to start over?
1: Uh. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, uh, uh when I was 13 or so, I I thought it'd be badass to you know uh, have some tattoos, and so I got some Indian ink and needle and thread, and um. I uh, started with my thighs, thinking that would be the last place my my mom would find them. And um, I started with this. (laughs) I did skate on my right thigh. um, And I was like, I did it. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, man, that's so sick. And then I stood up. I was in the bathroom. I stood up and looked in the mirror. I realized I did it upside down because I was doing it from my perspective, not from the person reading it. like, fuck. But then for, throughout the next year, I kind of had that like craze of doing tattoos. So on my left thigh, I started doing more. Um, long story short, eventually my mom did see them and was furious, um, you know, just so pissed. And I lied and told her like, you know, oh, it's Indian ink, it'll be gone in like a year or two, you know, it's fine. Uh, well, <laughs> it's been 17 years and those fuckers are still here. So fast forward to this accident, and um, I had a huge chunk of my calf missing or torn out. And um, I don't know exactly how they do it, but they were able to get the the meat to grow back, um, and then they needed to do a skin graft for it.
1: Yeah, so, just, so- to, just to cut you off for a second um- – anybody that hasn't followed you on twitter i'm gonna to try to say this while while being graphic without wanting to make people puke but basically <laughs> it's like a it was a chunk of meat missing from your thigh or from your calf yeah and it was uh it was basically like a hole and they stuffed it with that um that material to keep it from getting infected and to kind of fill
0: the space until the graft right yeah they, they stuffed it with like this black foam and then they hook it up to a vacuum pump to, like, drain out um, fluids and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, let's see if I can. It basically went from here, from, like, right below my knee, all the way down to my ankle. Um, and so once they once the meat was healed up, they needed to do a skin graft. And um, my mom had flown out from South Carolina at the time and was in the hospital with me. And so the plastic surgeon is talking to us and says, you know, the only place that we can get enough healthy skin from that isn't, you know, an area that has a bunch of broken bones or anything is your left thigh, um, which has tattoos from the knee to, you know, almost the hip. And he says, you know, it's, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about this because obviously, you know, it's going to be, we're going to be taking the skin from where your tattoos are. And I said, "Yeah, of course. I mean, do whatever you got to do, man. Just fix me." And my mom was fucking thrilled. dude. She was so happy. She's like, "Yeah, peel those fucking <laughs> tattoos off. I don't want to see them anymore. I'm done with them." Uh, and because it's not just that it was that it was like stupid to get the tattoos. Uh, from my mom's perspective, they're bad tattoos. They're not like they're not good tattoos.
1: I mean, it's what a kid uh, would, would
0: do to themselves. So it's yeah, you know, it's what yeah. a thirteen-year-old would think that would be cool, and then what a thirteen-year-old is capable of um, with a hand needle. You know, it's not a gun or anything. So anyway, my mom's thrilled. We do the surgery. They have it covered up for quite a while, um, and when we finally do the dressing change, um, we take it off and we find that this dumb fucking dragon that I put on my left thigh is not only still on my left thigh after they peeled the skin, it's now been cloned and is on my fucking right calf, too. So now it's been duplicated, and I have this horrible dragon tattoo in two locations now.
1: But I mean... Not only is that amazingly funny, doesn't that actually accomplish the original goal of being a badass? Because a little kid yeah. tattooing yourself with some shitty ink and a shitty tattoo, you know, I know you think that's badass, but this kind of is. <laughs> this kind of is. That, that's, a, that's a powerful dragon. That's not Puff. That's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like a real dragon. That's like um, Smog or something from, uh, you know, from the Lord of the Rings movies.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you're right. And now my mom loves it because it's a funny story. So it got two birds stoned at once.
1: <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. I've never heard of that happening. I didn't even know that could happen.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm not sure if it's something that happens as well with normal tattoos or if it's just because it's a hand needle that it, it penetrated deeper into the dermis or derma or whatever the hell skin's called. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I mean, even the plastic surgeon didn't know exactly what was going to come of it.
1: That's that's absolutely nuts. Now, yeah. I saw the video of you standing up the other day. Uh, obviously, you weren't yeah. putting too much pressure on that leg, clearly, because, you know, that's still going to heal. Yeah. But what's the status of all that stuff now?
0: Yeah, so um, so two, two days ago, that was the first time. Three days ago, I saw my podiatrist, and he said that I can put full weight On my left foot, as long as I have this, um, I don't know what it's called, this giant boot thing. As long as I have this boot on, I can put full weight on that leg. Uh, I still can't put any weight on my right leg. Um, But so, yeah, that video is the first time I stood up in a month and a half. Um, And I mean, I've been working my ass off preparing for that day. Mm -hmm. Um, But originally, they thought it would be another month before I could do that. Um, so that work's been paying off. Um, yeah, so it'll be a while before I can actually walk and, uh, I got to learn now how to do crutches and stuff with the one leg and all of that, but, uh, we're getting there, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah geez that's such absolutely good news and what about i mean yeah. that was obviously one of the scariest parts of seeing all the pins in your leg and the chunk missing but there was a lot of other damage done obviously so what about the rest of you is the rest of you healing up okay or is there still
0: uh yeah pretty good i mean so it it won't it doesn't sound like it but i was really lucky in the accident and uh i mean i have a shit ton of injuries but my body broke in a way that protected the really important stuff. So like I have multiple hairline skull fractures, but even though I had a bad concussion, I don't have any permanent brain damage, uh, at least not new brain damage. Just what I had done prior (laughs) to the accident. Um, I broke 11 ribs. Um, but my organs and my spine is okay. Um, uh, I, um, fractured my pelvis in four places and broke my sacrum, which is like the bottom of your spine, will connect to your hip, um, as well as I fractured my hip in two places. So I basically shattered like my hip and pelvis, Um, but my eggs and sausage are, are good. So like all of the things that like can't heal are good. And we're protected by the things that can heal. So, you know, it seems like I have, well, not seems, I have a crazy amount of broken bones and injuries, but all of those are things that can heal, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, they're healing well. Like, you know, when I first woke up, it it hurt to breathe and talk with 11 broken ribs, Um, but I'm doing much better now, Uh, although they numb me with these uh, lidocaine lidocaine
1: patches. patches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Glad you have those, though. Seriously. Yeah. So, um, um, but, so,
0: yeah, it's going well.
1: So, the the bones are on the mend. That's prob- the, the broken bones are probably, at least the ribs, are probably getting close to healing up. The pelvis probably yeah. takes a whole lot longer, though, right?
0: It does, and there's certain things that are, you know, never going to be fixed. Like, the right wing of my hip sticks out of my back like an inch. So, it, like, sticks out farther than my spine. Like, it's always going to be displaced like that. Um, my right foot is kind of issue is it called knock knee when your foot kind of is like splayed out outward you know when people kind of have their feet like this
1: yeah you could yeah, correct so like that right, over time though definitely
0: well i hope so but it's i was never like that and now my right foot is kind of like this um you know so there's certain things and i'll probably have arthritis in a few years but
1: yeah i can't believe that right at the base of your spine broke but not your spine like that is amazing you know like i don't i i know it's gotta be really shitty to be there in pain and have so many people tell you how lucky you are and stuff like that it's like well i'm still really hurt so screw you (laughs) if i was that lucky i wouldn't get hit at all so fuck off
0: but but still you know that's incredible honestly it's it's not though you you'd think so but the thing is like you only have first of all I feel like I've been training for this my whole life, dude. I've been breaking bones. I've been getting into accidents and shit forever, man. And so like, I've worked up to this point, I can handle this. But like when you're in these serious situations, there's only really two things you can control. And like the first is your attitude. You can be sad and depressed and cry like a little bitch. And you'd have every right to do so. But, that's no fun. You can uh, be angry and yell at everybody um, or you can do your best to like compartmentalize the pain and put it aside and be positive and, um, and fucking fight. And I swear like when you try and be positive and be happy, like it reduces the amount of pain you're in, you know? And um, I don't know. It's like who wants to be miserable for, you know, months, uh, and the other thing you can control is how how much effort you put into physical therapy and and occupational therapy, and that's about it.
1: Yeah, that's some that's some very wise wise advice right there. And it, for me personally, <laughs> like laughter. Laughter is, yeah. is the number one thing for me. Like I, I would not yeah. have made it to as old as I am if I didn't laugh as hard as I do at things. And that's why as soon as I saw that you were going to make it, I sent you that douchebag message like, all right, your leg's fine. <laughs> but what about your junk, dude? What about your pork yeah. and beans? Is that OK? Like, I figured I'd try to make you laugh. And obviously you took it the right way. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> dude, that was the first thing my Uncle Jack said to me. Uh, he, he called me up. He said, how you doing, Rourke? I said oh, I'm doing all right, man. He said, "Your pecker still working?"
1: <laughs> I wish I could take credit for that. My friend was in a motorcycle accident, and when they were wheeling him into the hospital, he was all out of it, and he kept asking over and over and over, "How's my dick? Is My dick still there?" <laughs> and his mom was the one of the head nurses at Bridgeport Hospital, so she, you know she comes running over, and she does not have a bedside manner. Everything is deadpan. And he's—they're right. like your son keeps asking about his junk, and she's just like, "I don't know, Tom. We'll find out later. Get in the, get in yeah. the surgery."
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. See, if I had asked that, my mom would have told me it's fucked. She <laughs> <laughs> it said you lost it, but.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Oh man. Well, I, I just—I I don't know. It's—it's it's such like a, you know. I, I don't know. I'm kind of speechless, which for me is pretty, pretty freaking remarkable that by itself, but like all the, all the things that you've had to go through and like the fact that you're fighting through it and, and you've been cheerful about it the whole time. So that was, that yeah. that was always impressive, but. I mean, right on, man. everybody was thinking about you. I got text messages and DMS from people that like, that kind of knew us, but like, didn't, you know, right. weren't super close and they're like, Hey man, sorry to bug you, but you know, what was up with your boy Rourke? I saw him on Twitter. And then like, is everything still okay? I wanted to check in, but I didn't want to bother him. So everybody was talking right about you.
0: So. I really appreciate it, man. It's actually kind of blown me away because you know, I'm not, I'm not very big. Uh, I'm a pretty small business. I, you know, I, I'm busy personally, but like I'm not a big business or anything in the community. And so I was really blown away by uh, how awesome the community has been and how many people have reached out and even just done awesome things. Like I just wanted to know what some good free download games were and a bunch of people sent me, uh, you know, download codes for games and stuff. So it's been amazing how uh, uh, supportive the community has been.
1: Yeah, it, you know it's so easy. I, I say this. I say this every time we talk about stuff like this. But it's so easy to look at a comment section or, or go on Twitter and like see all the awfulness, and yeah. not realize that that's less than one percent of the people that that are right. in this retro gaming community that you talk to on a daily basis. So, you right. know, at times like this, uh, the the good really starts to show through. And hopefully, For we should sure. figure out a way in life to make the good show through when it, there isn't a tragedy. <laughs> But you know, <laughs> but yeah, damn yeah. So, um, what's the plan like for the the near future? So, you're probably in the hospital for at least a few more weeks or something, right?
0: Well, yeah. Uh, so, the first hospital bounced me to another, and then that hospital uh, a few weeks ago put me in a skilled nursing and physical rehabilitation center, and so I'm basically in a. It's like a hospital, but it's more focused on physical rehabilitation and stuff since now I'm stable um, and, uh, you know, wound care and things. And every week the insurance company fights to have me discharged and the doctors and the therapists fight to keep me in. So we, ne- we don't know how long I'll be able to be here, but uh, they keep fighting for that. Um, so in the near future, it's, you know, hopefully I'll be able to stay here and relearn how to walk uh, in the next month or so. Um, and uh, then, yeah, after that, I probably have about a year of, of outpatient physical therapy um, and uh, exercising and stuff. And one of the big things is, and I mean, being in the hospital forced my hand on this for a month and a half, but, you know, I officially quit smoking cigarettes. Um, I can't drink. Um, I I know, uh, you know, I can't drink. And when I get home, I'm going to have to keep that up for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, same goes for smoking weed and it's just, uh, the doctors made it really clear to me of, you know, you just got to keep the poisons out of you for, for a while. Um, And fuck, there was a lot of nerve damage to my right leg because the tourniquet was on for about an hour and a half, so there was no blood going to that leg for for that long. Um, And they were showing me this chart, and if I keep smoking cigarettes, they said most likely I'll only get about thirty percent of nerve regrowth, Um, and uh, you know, which means I'll continue to not be able to feel my foot or move it. so they made it like really clear that you know at least for this year i gotta cut out all these poisons and stuff you know and get healthy
1: and is that for the the smoking cigarettes um depriving oxygen to your blood while you're smoking it like i i'm
0: just as a nerd i'm so curious about all these things you know to be honest i'm not exactly sure what it what it is physically that that stunts it if it's if it's that or if it's the fucking poisons in it and the chemicals they put in that shit, I, I really couldn't tell you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they said it, it'll stunt the nerve regrowth and repair as well as soft tissue growth and repair.
1: I've always really been been curious and fascinated by how all this stuff helps or hurts your immune system. Like I've always mm-hmm. had friends growing up that were like, oh, I don't feel so good, so I'm going to smoke a bowl and feel better. And I'm like, if I smoke a bowl, I'm going to get sicker every time (laughs) and even when i was getting sick before before i realized it was the rona i'm like you know i hear all these people telling me cbd and edibles and stuff makes them feel better when they're sick so let me take a lot of cbd a tiny bit of thc and i'll tell you i i felt perfect not not high like i actually felt totally better and then the next day i woke up and you know the Rona was hitting pretty hard, so it was just like, all yeah. right, was that because <laughs> I had coronavirus, or was it because the you know the my right. you know um immune system was messed with it? So I, I don't know. I I try to I try not to experiment too much with my uh, with my health, but uh, I'm always yeah. still curious about that. But like, <clears throat> if I was sick, like not like near death, but just sick, sick, and I had one beer, it wouldn't affect me in the slightest. Obviously, if I get drunk, right. of course. But like right. a bong hit, I definitely get sicker. And I'm always kind of curious, <laughs> like, <laughs> is it is it because of that? Um, you know, is it, uh, you know, wh- what are the reasons for that? So I don't know. Maybe yeah. I have a bunch of doctor friends. I text oh. a bunch of crazy stuff, to, And sometimes I get scientific responses. Hold on one second, buddy. Yep. Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah,
0: that's perfect. Thank you. All right, sorry, bud. No,
1: it's all good. It's all good. It's, uh, you um, know, you're the one that's uh, that's taking your time out of your recovery to, to hang out and talk to everybody. <laughs> so any breaks you need uh, to take.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're totally right though, um, and of course everyone's body's different, um, but you you do kind of have to separate like smoking from edibles and stuff. Jeez. hold it's on. Okay. Uh, you have to separate you know what the fuck sorry <laughs> now someone's trying to call me um
1: your audio is still coming through though so it's cool oh you're totally back nope now it's gone
0: <laughs> good yeah okay um yeah separating smoking from edibles and stuff you know um because obviously even though weed isn't at all as bad as cigarettes you know you have to remember when you're smoking you're still getting the tar and the carbon monoxide or is it dioxide whichever one of those it is and all that kind of stuff but you know to your point um it's funny i learned this when growing weed um and getting into really into plants and stuff but it turns out this applies to humans as well but um if you if the plant or the person it does not have the correct pH, um, even if you're giving them, the, giving them the vitamins and nutrients and minerals that it needs to be healthy. If the pH is wrong, um, they can start to become toxic or not get absorbed at all. Um, and sometimes some, some nutrients have a wide range where they're still fine. But so, for example, most humans have an acidic diet and their body is having acidic pH and so you might be having the right diet where you have all of the vitamins and nutrients that you need. But if your body is too acidic, certain vitamins and nutrients that would otherwise be healthy for you can become toxic for you and cause illnesses and cause problems. Uh, so just to your point, it's uh, it's interesting how this stuff works. So something that could be good in one circumstance could be uh, bad in another.
1: That's fascinating because i've had really bad acid reflux since i was like 10 and every time Mm -hmm. i brought it up to a doctor they're like oh you drank yeah that's your problem get out of here you fat fuck and it's like i wasn't drinking when i was 10 and i wasn't that fat either (laughs) like come on like so it's interesting and uh, the point yeah, yeah. Carsey's in the chat he says hi and uh, he brought up the um, Car- that uh, tobacco is a vasoconstrictor meaning it constricts mm. your blood vessels so it means less blood would be going to your legs while you were smoking. That's a good point. So
0: that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, especially since I had vascular surgery on my artery, my femoral artery.
1: So. Huh. So it's basically um you know get, get the strength back, continue the physical therapy Uh, your arms seem to be, seem to be in decent shape. You didn't break any, anything there, right? Your hands, your arms so Uh, still have dexterity. My wing,
0: my wingspan is the only thing that went unfazed. So fingertip to fingertip, my uh, collarbone, shoulders, those are all good. Although funny enough, my last accident, I have metal work and all of that. I broke my arm, my shoulder, my collarbone. So I've got brackets basically in everything. Um, (laughs) What accident was that from? um shit about eight years ago um uh, long story short my friends and i went out drinking and uh my buddy moses who was living with my mom and i um uh gave me a ride to mcdonald's um on his new motorcycle um and uh we picked up food and uh he'd given me his helmet and on the way back we were going like 80 on a back road, and uh, he hit a sidewalk, and we got thrown about 40-some-odd feet. And um, I went into a – I landed on the sidewalk because there was a driveway going into Ride Aid perpendicular to the direction I was going. I landed on a sidewalk right in the middle of my arm, and it literally snapped the bone clean in half. The orthopedic surgeon said it was the cleanest break he would ever seen but it snapped it in half and like pushed the bottom half out and the muscle contracted and pulled the bones down. So it literally my, like my, the distance from my shoulder to my elbow was reduced by like three or four inches. And, um, I broke my collarbone, my shoulder fucked up my whole right side. Um, and his helmet saved me, but unfortunately, uh, he went headfirst into a street sign like the pole of a street sign packed the left side of his face and uh his uh brain uh, came out of his face and it was really bad uh obviously he didn't make it
1: yeah i'm so sorry
0: uh, yeah uh me too um but so you know that's where that metal work is from
1: so i guess that's what you meant by you uh it feels like you've been preparing for this because you're already in a pretty horrific yeah. accident
0: yeah jeez. that's also one of the reasons i'm able to keep like a good mentality it's like realizing like this could have been much worse thankfully the other people are alive they're in much better shape than me this you know um everything that's wrong with me can be healed so you know it's much easier to stay positive this time around
1: yeah jeez. so i mean uh it sounds like you have a, a solid plan um now, I'm going to ask you a question, but I want you and everybody else to know that I'm asking this as a long-term question to the future and just to, like, okay. to, get, to get back to like you know the, the nerdy stuff that you're really fucking awesome at. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm going to ask about plans for new products and stuff, but I'm not trying to imply that you should get right back into selling stuff next <laughs> week while you're still in the hospital. I just like I want to keep it positive and talk about because you were working on a bunch of cool projects and we had a couple of top secret things in the works that we were going to get out that actually had no time frame needed. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter. It's one of these things where you could release it three years from now and people would still be, you know, a fun little niche market thing. So, yeah, um, basically, you're uh, you do a lot of stuff really good, but I think the molds that you were making really set you apart as like, you know, your signature products, if you will. So, you know, you molded NES controllers, buttons, um, and it got it to the point where it looks and feels like the original and you could even get clear and all that other stuff. So yeah, uh, where where about were you leaving off? And then, you know, where will you pick up obviously once you could walk again, once everything else, you know?
0: Um, yeah well, so obviously, as you said we've got some uh some projects in the works um and then um but like right when I left off and what I hope to get back to, although I did try and see if the nursing facility would let me bring in my pressure chamber and my vacuum chamber be a big uh, no. but <laughs> yeah they weren't they weren't feeling it um. Uh, <laughs> I I tried to explain how quiet my air compressor is, but yeah, they weren't, no. Um, But um, so right now I'm working on doing full uh, Dreamcast controllers um, as well as the buttons, the VMU window, and VMUs. So I'd like to be able to have that full package. Um, That would be something that will be... When it's available and approved, would be going through our buddy Dan. Um, so I'm trying to I'm trying to take a step back because um, I'm I feel like I'm really good at making stuff, but I'm not good at you know a business packaging. Individual shipping, handling all of that stuff. I feel like I can't do both at the same time. Yeah, it's Um, it's,
1: most people can't. It's not a you thing. I I think, respectfully, too, I think most people don't understand what that entails until they try to do it. And then they go, Holy crap, this is a full time business just doing this. So,
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, I really want to start moving towards where I'm selling bulk to stores or to other modders or you know basically distributors and um I mean bulk I molding and casting by hand it's still small scale bulk but you know um yeah so that's that's what I'm in the middle of right now. Um and then some really cool stuff though is my buddy Paul from uh Rocker Gaming Mods mm-hmm. uh, and I are I can't get into details, um, but we're working on some really cool stuff for the future that is going to allow me to manufacture in higher quantities. Um, So instead of being able to do 50 at a time, moving towards being able to do 100 in a day, where like currently I could, if I really ramp up stuff and have multiple molds going, right now with silicone molds, I could maybe do three in a day uh where where we're going towards i'll be able to do a hundred or a couple hundred in a day uh it's gonna start really small um until we have enough money to upgrade equipment but so that's really exciting Uh, and then as you said we've got some stuff in the works yeah we do
1: so uh, yeah. the basic process for this molding, and we did do another interview like two years ago or something. I, I have it linked here and yeah. in, in the main post on Retro RGB. I may have forgot to put it in YouTube, but I'll, I'll update that. But so, if, you know, anybody who wants to hear more about your background, how you get into this stuff, uh, please watch that one. That was a lot of fun, too. But the the basic overview is you have to create a mold based on the original. <laughs> Uh, And we'll get back to that in a sec. But then once that mold is created, you could then put it through your uh, creation process and ramp it up. Basically, you know, however you've, uh, you've figured out the process. So once the mold is made, it's really just about grinding and and making, making each one in quantity, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although resin casting, once you have the mold made, even the resin casting is, a large process and takes a lot of time as well. Um, so you know, it's not like once you get the mold made, it's it's not like it's just. It still is a long process to make each piece.
1: All right, so I guess that maybe we'll just go back to the beginning because I, you know, I've the only experience I have in this is in injection molding and then 3D printing. Um, right. So I guess. You know, if you have time, obviously, if you don't have time, drop off any moment here if, you know, the doctors come in or something. But what is the process of making a mold like? Like, when you get something where you're like, I want to make my own version of this. I want to make it in different colors. Like, how exactly does that happen?
0: Just step number one. So you start by, I mean, obviously choosing your piece and prepping that piece. And, you know, not only do you need to have it clean and everything, but you need to find a piece that's going to be exactly what you want your end product to be. So, you know, that means whatever scratches in that piece is going to translate into your castings. Uh, So, you know, whatever finishes on it is going to translate. So it's cleaning it sometimes, you know, sanding, painting, polishing, all of that kind of stuff, but you prepare your piece to get it to be exactly what you want the end piece to be. Um, And now I have, I have, I have some extra steps that that I do that I'm not going to get into because there's been some people who've been kind of jacking mm-hmm. my stuff. Um, so I'm going to leave some of, some of my technique out of it. But the basic thing is once you have that, you're going to clay up basically the negative of the mold, the opposite of what the mold is going to look like mm-hmm. or one half of the mold is going to look like. And you're, you'll clay up around that piece. So let's pretend that this bottle cap is the part that I want to uh, mold. I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna clay, put clay around up to this edge and go all the way around. And you'll make registration keys so that the two mold halves will fit together. And you do some walls to prevent flashing and stuff like that. But you make a clay model of what the mold is essentially gonna look like. And you make a box around that clay model. Um, then you're going to um, uh, put on spots, like you'll put on basically dowels uh, for an injection port and air vents Um, and then you're going to make you're going to, oh sorry I already said the mold box you're going to pour silicone over that, to do the silicone uh, it comes in two parts uh, and you'll weigh out each part Um, the ratio depends on the type of silicone you're using. And uh, then you're gonna go ahead and mix it, and you're gonna put that silicone in a vacuum chamber. And what that is is essentially a sealed container that uh, is attached to a pump that puts it under a vacuum. And that's gonna pull, pull all the air that was mit- introduced into the liquid, uh, it's gonna pull all of that air out of the silicone. Um, once you're done with that, you'll take that out and pour it into your mold box. Um, and then you're going to put your mold box in a pressure chamber, uh, which is also a sealed container. Um, but this time, instead of pulling air out, it forces air into the chamber. And what this does is it puts your, your silicone under pressure, typically about 60 uh, psi, pounds per square inch. And what that's going to do is any remaining air bubbles that might be in the mixture is going to squash it down to a microscopic size. And that is going to uh, not only uh, prevent um, visible issues in the finish, but it'll also uh, make it more structurally sound. Um, and you'll let it cure under pressure uh, like that. Once that's cured, you're going to pull all of that out and you're going to remove all of the clay from it while trying to keep the part in the silicone. So what you would have then is uh, the part upside down in the silicone, just pretend silicone around that. And you're going to pull all of that clay off of that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to clean it up real nice, get rid of any clay residue or anything like that on your part. And you're going to put a mold release uh, on it. And that's because the only thing that silicone will stick to, really, is silicone. So if you were to just pour silicone on there without a mold release, you're just going to have one block of silicone, and your part's going to be lost in the middle of it. and uh, so you'll put mold release, and then you're going to go through the same process, mix, vacuum chamber, pour, cure under pressure. Uh, once all of that's done, you can remove uh, it and pull both mold halves apart uh, and remove your part from that. Um, once you have that, now you have a completed mold, and you can move on to casting. Uh, I should clarify, this is doing a two-part mold. There's other ways of doing it. You can do a block mold where you cut the part out. There's there's different ways you can do it. Um, but for most retro parts, you go with a two- or a three-part mold.
1: Okay. So now, once you have those molds made, then you could fill it with uh, uh, the material that you want and then and the actual making of it. Um, you basically fill it, pressurize it, and... You want to give, like, the... Because I could kind of yeah, envision so... it in my head, but, like, it's still way more complicated than I'm grasping onto.
0: Yeah. Um, so once the mold's done, um, you're essentially going to go through a similar process with the resin. Um, you'll typically, like, put some rubber bands around the mold or something to keep the mold uh, clamped shut. Um, and uh, I like to put... Straw, this might be getting too much. I like to put straws in where the air vents will be so that resin can actually rise up above uh, the mold. Um, But don't worry about that. So you're going to get your mold clamped and ready to go. Um, You're going to choose your resin. And there's a million types of resin. So you can choose if you want something flexible, if you want something really hard, uh, opaque, clear. Um, there's a bunch of different types, um, and you really need to read your data sheets to get the end result that you like. But once you choose the resin that you want, um, you go ahead, you mix it, you add any kind of dyes or coloring or mica powder, uh, any kind of things like that, that you might want for colors or effects. Um, and again, you weigh it out. It comes in two parts. You weigh them out, uh, according to the proportions on the data sheet, mix them, and then you'll degas it in the vacuum chamber again, you know, pulling the air out from the mixture. And then uh, um, I'll take a catheter syringe and fill that up with the resin and then inject that into the injection port of the mold. And uh, you're going to inject slowly but with pressure until you see all of those air vents fill up with resin. And that's how you know that the resin is fully filled all of the cavities of the mold. Um, And then again, you'll put it into the pressure chamber and uh, get that pressure chamber up to 60 PSI and you'll let it cure in there. Um, For a lot of resins, that's the end of it Um, for the ones that I work with, which are really specialized for having strong thin walled castings, uh, you know, because most shells are, you know, a tiny fraction of an inch thin. Um, so to get something that's strong in that small of a, or that thin of a piece, you often will need to, after pressure curing it, you'll need to post cure it in an oven. So I have a special oven that then they go into while they're still in the mold and you heat that up. Uh, temperature depends on the data sheet, uh, but usually around like 150 degrees or so. Um, and you'll cure it in there. Um, And it usually has a schedule, like you'll do like, you know, 200 degrees for 30 minutes, 150 for four hours. You follow that schedule and uh, then you take that out, let it cool down to room temperature and you can demold it.
1: And when uh, once you demold it, um, do you have to clean it up afterwards? Are there like burrs you need to get rid of or is it like plastic injection molding where there's some tabs and stuff, but it's mostly a finished product? It's
0: somewhere in between the two. Uh, so it's pretty similar to injection molding. Um, and the part of what I left out in the molding process uh, helps with this. Some of my techniques make it much easier for the, the post-production uh, cleanup. Um, but the way I make my air vents and my uh, injection port and things, you can pretty much twist and snap them off. So before I even open my mold, I can twist the air vents and the injection ports. And all of those things which are attached to the piece, they'll snap right off. Um, and then when you open up the mold, um, you're going to have some flashing. And flashing is when um, some of the resin seeps out past the, um, the cavity of the mold where you didn't want it to go. And so it's very thin resin that goes beyond the edge Um, the higher quality your mold is, the less flashing you'll have. Um, so you want to aim to have very little of that. Uh, and if it's, if it's a good mold, you won't have much and you can just with a fingernail run it along the edge, uh, of the part and it'll just come right off. Um, but I do take a few minutes with like an X-Acto knife, um, because anywhere where you have air vents that you twist off, there's going to be a little bit of, uh, you know, uneven surface, and so I'll just take a flat, um, a flat edge exacto and just smooth that out uh, with the, the rest of the piece. Uh, but I'd say the post uh, cleanup is probably takes about two to five minutes at most
1: per per quick. thing that you remove from it.
0: Like per shell it depends <laughs> on the size of it, but you know, for like the NES controller shells, it probably takes me about two to three minutes or so um but keep in mind the more times you use the mold uh the more the silicone degrades and the more cleanup you're going to end up having the more flashing will come so you know on your first casting it might take you 30 seconds to clean up and on your 50th casting it might take you three minutes
1: so it really does seem like this is the type of thing that um like if you knew you wanted to make one or two of something, you would three D print it, sand it, and paint it. And if you wanted to make a thousand of something, or maybe even five hundred, you could consider injection molding. And but this seems to be the perfect medium for that. Like I need fifty yeah. of something made. Like you don't you know, you could depending on the size, you could totally three D print it. But like I want fifty yep. of something crystal clear that looks like a factory finish type of thing this seems like the exact process of things that you want to do for that.
0: Yeah. And, um, I'm going to try not to go into too much detail, but there's some, another technique that I, I do that allows me to make multiple of the same mold over and over and over again. So I could have five of the same mold running. So while, you know, while one mold comes out of the pressure chamber and goes into the oven, another one can be going into the pressure chamber so you could you could extend that to a few hundred um, although it does take time to do still um, and uh, the other the other benefit where it is is maybe in the lifetime of that run you're gonna sell a thousand but you're not selling them fast enough to justify getting the injection mold So you know maybe you're gonna sell a thousand but it's gonna be over the course of two or three years. Right. So instead of dropping the money right off the bat and then having a thousand pieces sitting in your warehouse for three years, you know, you could be slowly doing it, uh, with the resin cast.
1: Yeah. I think, Uh, I don't think, um, I, I I was about to say something that was about to come out real douchey and I didn't mean it that way but like I think once, once people have, have anybody that's been involved in a company that does things like this where you have to you have to have the metal tool made in order to have the injection molding done you have to pay somebody to, to do that you have to then either have them ship you the tool to keep at your facility or pay somebody else to keep it and now you have a warehouse that you're paying money and rent filled with parts on even if it's a small storage area that's 200 bucks a month all that stuff adds up so the actual cost to customer might end up being more by you know even if you're selling a thousand total if you get it injection molded if it's over the course of a couple of years Um, and for stuff like this where it's like with injection molding you can definitely get multiple colors but they still have to set up their assembly line like that whereas going through stuff like this if it's like like you would never be able to say, "I want a run of a hundred and I want 10 of ten different colors in injection molding like right. no company would do that at a reasonable price whereas you oh, absolutely you, not. you could totally do that
0: right and yeah, you're absolutely right with injection molding, each color is going to have a minimum order that you have to fulfill hmm. um, but uh, also again I'll try not to go into too many details, but my buddy Paul from Rocker Gaming Arts and I are working our way into uh, small-scale injection molding, and cool. um, yeah, so we'll be able to we'll be able to both cover the smaller end that resin and molding casting covers, and a, a, a larger larger than that, but a smaller end of injection molding than what you'd need from China or a large company.
1: That's absolutely awesome. Uh, Ryan yes, from Castlevania is in here and he modern. also wanted to bring up the point that um, this is also a good proof route before you finalize on that run. So especially if yep. you're going to make 10,000 of something, you know, going through the process and the time to make this, not only can you make your special editions that are whatever custom colors or anything, but you could also yeah. have it proved. So it's like, okay, this before I drop a lot of cash on something, I know, uh, you know, I know this yeah. is it.
0: Yeah, make sure that there's actually going to be a market for it before you drop twenty, thirty thousand dollars
1: 30000 Yeah, and uh, Ryan also just brought up that sometimes transparent colors need a different mold. Um, I believe – I'm not going to explain this right because I'm not knowledgeable enough in it. But I believe it's the, the way the molds and the or the tools are cut. If you're doing it with a color, any color would hide a ton of impurities. Whereas if it's transparent, even smoke transparent, you'll see all of that. So yeah, that's another thing you could actually get in there and, you know, have you set up one to make all of the transparent colors, the special editions, whatever else. And then if you're going to make 10,000, you know, then fine, have a tool made for your yeah. solid colors. So yeah, there's actually yeah. tons of uses for what you do. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, well, uh, he's, he's got a good point because if you're, if you're going to do an opaque uh, shell where no light's getting through then sure, you're out you're, the mold for the exterior half should be um, done really well and could be polished and all of those things. But the inner half of the shell can be a really rough cut on the CNC, and that'll save you a, a shit ton of money. Mm. Um, but if you're doing transparent, if the inside of the shell is rough cut, it's going to screw the whole look of the shell. And so you need to have a polished uh, mold for both halves, and that's very expensive, especially when you're talking about large shells.
1: So that certainly adds a little more perspective as to why the Retro Game Restore shells are over 100 bucks each, because they're smaller runs, but they're all transparent, yep. and they all look absolutely great. So it's it's really hard to explain yeah. to people sometimes why... Some of this stuff is more expensive than others, and I completely sympathize on the other side of like, how come I can get this, you know, repro Game Boy Advance shell for a dollar on eBay, and this one costs a hundred? Like, it's sometimes it's yeah. hard to really explain what goes into these things. So I always appreciate your perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah well, you're you're absolutely right, and actually, there shells are coming out at an, honestly a very fair price. Mm. Um, and initially, when aftermarket Game Boy shells came out, they were expensive, but now. There's a huge market for Game Boy shells, and uh, especially with the IPS screens out now, where anybody who it, you don't even need to solder, anybody can mod their Game Boy now. There, you know, there's a big market for those Game Boy shells. Um, so, uh, you know, there's no problem with getting large quantities for the shells, so they can get really cheap prices. But uh, to your point, if you're only getting a thousand, that's very expensive. Uh, the molds to get an injection mold is very expensive, and also you have to think of the size. A Game Boy Advance shell is really fucking small compared, and and really not complicated compared to a Super Nintendo shell. Um, a Super Nintendo shell is going to cost so much more to make a mold for than a Game Boy Advance shell. Yeah, absolutely. But you'll see once the mold is made um if if people keep buying the super nintendo shells you'll see that price start to drop because once the mold the mold is a fixed cost once you, if you see people continue to buy that and they keep doing runs of it that price will go down eventually uh, but initially yeah it's going to be pretty expensive
1: cool so, um, I guess I'll start winding it down a little bit because i don't I don't want to take up too much of your time but uh anybody in the chat has, <laughs> <I'm stuck here. laughs> anybody in the chat has any questions I'll start out. there were some questions already asked uh I'll just start with those. Codemaster v said they're always super glad to to contribute to anything like this, and they've already signed up for your GoFundMe. so thank you very much. It's very thoughtful. Thank you for being kind in the comments codemaster v um i'm um, borderline said can we get custom dragon tattoo buttons for our controllers <laughs>
0: i love that so much That's a good idea dude <laughs> that's a good idea in fact maybe i'll have to do custom dragon shells uh
1: jamie maxwell would like to know with the time you've spent in hospital what things have you had to keep you occupied so specifically what books music games etc
0: oh so uh for quite a while I didn't have much here. Uh, my phone was destroyed. Um, uh, and I really didn't have much in the way of entertainment as far as I was concerned. And I really spent shoot, like almost the first month drawing designs and taking notes and thinking of techniques and ideas for molding and casting and trying to improve my process. Mm -hmm. Um, and talking with like my buddy Paul on how we can take this to the next level and start to increase our productivity so that hopefully I can quit my full-time and make this a full-time job. So that was the, the main thing. Um, but then my brother and some of his buddies put together and and uh, bought me this awesome Switch, um, but I had no games for it. So that's where all the free games came. So the last couple of weeks I've been uh, just catching up on games.
1: What have been your favorites?
0: Um, well, so I'm replaying Breath of the Wild, um, and uh, there's actually this game called Asphalt Nine, which is a free download game.
1: Right, yeah, um,
0: that's a good game. And yeah, it's it's not the best racer, but for a free game, it's pretty fucking dope. Yeah. Um, and this is funny, man. I I never oh, people are gonna hate on me so hard. I never ever thought I'd be into it, but so my five year old son jameson he has my switch at home uh i didn't want to take it away from him right so he has my switch and he plays minecraft and i never thought i'd get into it so i didn't play it but now that i'm here i play with him online so that we can have some connection and so we've been playing that together and i don't know if it's just because i'm playing with my son or what but it's it's been a cool experience.
1: I I mean that I, that's gotta be awesome. I, I love online gaming for you know for a million reasons, but that's gotta be up there. As, yeah. You know, a pretty amazing way to just keep in touch while you're while you were locked away and you know in an ICU somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's cool. My uh girlfriend sets up her phone so we uh FaceTime and then we play and while we're playing at the same time, so helps her get him off of her uh her case and you know, him and I get to connect for a bit. That's awesome um yeah so uh, i think
1: you know based on seeing some of the comments here you might have to have a logo made up or or draw your own of a dragon that's your new logo (laughs) i think i would would buy the shit out of that it would be the rourke dragon or something it'd be like the targaryen dragon but way cooler
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm down i'll do it
1: sweet so um all right. Well, I guess uh, you know we'll uh, we'll say goodbye for now. But the next time we do this, and there absolutely will be a next time, will be a product launch of yours. Uh, awesome. You know, where we're going to be selling some crazy new stuff that you've made, and uh, and be celebrating what comes next. So I'm I'm so awesome, happy to bro. see that you're still with us, man.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I'm looking forward to the next time.
1: Awesome. I'll see everybody soon.
0: All right. Bye, everybody.